gonna hurt me. I'm gonna hurt you. Stay away from me. Wendy. Stay away. Darling, light of my life. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. <laughs> Popheads and welcome to issue 123 of the Tomcast Popcast, coming to you from the scenic Rocky Mountains of Colorado, just outside the window of my room at the Overlook Hotel, my Tom Cave for the day. My name is Tom. Thank you so much for joining us for this quality independent podcast. Please make sure you're following us on the social medias at Tomcast Popcast on Twitter, at Tomcast Popcast on Instagram. Nice and easy. Email the show TomcastPopcast at gmail.com. And if you are interested to become an official member of Pophead Nation, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash TomcastPopcast, where you will get access to amazing, action-packed bonus content. That's right. Thank you so much to my current Patreons. Thank you to the Aspinel Chody, the Batman of APOC, Jeff Nail. Jeff is the co-host of The Ring and Air, a fantastic music podcast. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all the circles, the Squidmaster General Brian Broussard, and the New Jersey Devil himself, Mark Wegemer. Finally, please make sure you are subscribed, liked, and sharing this podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all of them. And if you get a chance, leave us those five-star reviews there. The sweet, sweet nectar in which we need to survive. Alright, so Halloween comes ever closer every day that we go on. We've been crushing through a, 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 a litany of, of horror movies. Well, horror? Horror comedy? You know, it's been a little bit of a... Not, we're not doing so much the scare fest this, this time around on the Tomcast podcast, but we're getting into some really good Halloween movies. Just, you know, stuff that's all right for the season. There's been some family-friendly fare on our list. Uh, but today, we, we are getting away from the family-friendly fare as we close out the month of October. And we're getting into a, a real uh, classic of the cinema. And, you know, this movie has a massive reputation, a massive following, and uh, rightly so. It is it is a, a, a classic. I said it before. It is a classic of the movies. And I've, I am referring to 1980's The Shining. And this is, again, you, you probably know, based off of a book, book by Stephen King, but the film directed by the great Stanley Kubrick, uh, who also is one of the screenwriters on this movie as well. It stars Jack Nicholson in one of his most terrifying performances. Shelley Duvall, Danny Lloyd, that's the big main cast. That's the family right there. But you also get Scatman Carruthers, Barry Nelson, Philip Stone. You know, not a lot of names that you're going you're gonna to know. But uh, still, this is, this is some of the main members of our cast that we kind of had to get into. So you guys all probably know the, the basics of this movie, a, a family becomes the caretakers of the Overlook Hotel, which shuts down in the winter time, uh, because you can't get to the you can't get to it. It's it's a it's a beautiful hotel, uh, 
uh, but it's very remote, very isolated. So once once the winter gets in, uh, they shut it down, and they have a caretaker who moves in and looks after the hotel, keeps the boiler running, all that good stuff. Except this hotel has got some uh, extra bonus features of its own that, uh, well, they make, they make their presence known uh, eventually as uh, the Torrance family spends more time there. Jack Torrance is you know, played by Jack Nicholson, Wendy Torrance, and their son Danny. And Danny has abilities. What is what Scatman Carlos calls the Shining, and I'm gonna kind of leave it there for the plot because what we're gonna get into there's a whole conversation to be had. I'm uh, gonna be linking up in just a few moments with our good friend Roger Smith, aka Jedi Raj. He's at Jedi Raj on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, it's been a, it's been a week or two since we've had uh, been been fortunate enough to be joined by Roger, and uh, that's because we're just crushing through these episodes. <laughs> but Roger's really excited to uh, come on board and talk about The Shining. We're also going to spend a little time talking about the sequel, Dr. Sleep, starring, starring the wonderful Ewan McGregor. Uh, but we're going to, again, we're going to spend a bulk, I think we're going to spend the bulk of this episode focus on The Shining because it is uh, such an impactful movie. It is uh, something that, that, that plays well today. You know, uh, Roger and I both watched this recently, and you know, the the thing about it is, is like the, the scares aren't there like they were the first time or two you see it, and you're like, oh, oh, you know, you don't get that jump scare effect, you don't like come out of your skin a little bit, uh, but it's still full of 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 horror, of of terror, of of, of fear inducing moments, and a lot of that is brought on by Jack Nicholson in his performance as Jack Torrance. Uh, and, and the sheer terrorizing of his wife Wendy in the picture, but we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that in in detail with Roger once we link up. So before we link up, you, you know what you have to do. You have to sit down. You have to buckle up. You have to hold on to your butts, and then you buckle up again because, man, the ride to the Overlook Hotel is a long and windy road, and you have to do safety first. So you buckle twice. And that's what this podcast is about, safety first, especially on the way to the Overlook Hotel. All right, here we go. I'll catch everyone on the other side. Enjoy the conversation. It's going to be a fun one. Joining me once again via the Skype, Roger Smith, aka Jedi Raj. He's at Jedi Raj on Twitter, Instagram. Give him a, sw- a follow, not a swallow, but a follow. <laughs> yeah, don't eat me, please. Yeah, no, don't swallow his soul. I mean, I know it's Halloween, but we're not there yet. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's got I'll life have to, to live. The, the boomstick. Yeah, uh, Roger. <laughs> <Swallow> this. <laughs> Roger's been a couple weeks, but it's good to see you. Uh, you are freshly shaved. For the holiday oh, yeah. festivities, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just posted on uh, Instagram. If you guys are following on there, uh, I had my full-on uh, Wayne Campbell outfit from Wayne's World. So uh, I heard it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty good. And uh, listen, I was, I, I, I um, 
there was a certain amount of like listen i'm not i'm not into buzzwords but there's a certain amount of synchronicity when you posted that photo <laughs> because uh for work on saturday a co-worker oh. and i have a costume theme going on as well where on saturday i will be dressed as garth algar oh nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he will be wayne but he's got a lot to live up to because uh, your photo was pretty on point sir yeah yeah I, I got a lot of got a lot of comments on it so i was pretty happy that uh People were digging it. People were digging. It. I was digging it. I didn't want to comment because I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to spill the beans <laughs> if I say if I say too much." But you know, we're what it's Thursday now, so like we're two days out from when I'm going to debut that at work. Um, nice. So so and no, no one listens to this podcast anyway, so we, we'll be fine. No one's gonna <laughs> no one's gonna know. There's no spoilers here. Yeah, we're fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, Roger, we we have reconvened. We have been uh, blazing through. Halloween themed films uh this this yeah. this month the the news be damned we have no time for news because <laughs> we're watching movies and you yeah. and I you and I today we have a doozy on our hands oh yeah we do yeah this is uh this is uh I mean we're dealing listen I'm, I'm not gonna lie I feel a little I'm, I feel a little daunted <laughs> talking about this picture because it's it's that big of a deal oh yeah and uh, that too, you know, I, I've already opened the show. They know what we're talking about. We're talking about The Shining, 1980, yep. Stanley Kubrick, Jack Nicholson. I mean, the, the, the movie's iconic in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, let's kind of, this is kind of get started. And let me ask you the first question I can think of, Raj. Uh, if someone offers you the role of caretaker in a hotel built on an ancient Indian burial, burial ground, what do you say? probably gonna be a no from me <laughs> i think it's a hard no for me as well i have now seen the results of what happens when you say yes it's not good yep <laughs> roger talk to me about about your impressions of this movie like like when did you first experience the shining kind of kind of get kind of give me your shining origin story so yeah for me it was actually you know i'd seen bits and pieces of it all the time growing up but this was the first time I really sat down with, like, an actual copy of the movie and just went start to finish. So this was, like, it was definitely, you know, just getting that full experience was, was a lot different. You know, I, I used to watch it when they'd have it on TV here and there as a kid, you know, just on cable or whatever. But, yeah, never, like, from start to end, you know. It, so th it was really cool to just kind of sit there and be like, okay, now I understand, like, the, the timeline of everything that's happening here. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I just saw it for the, basically I'm going to say I saw it fully for the first time and it really, it stood up to like everything I thought it was going to be. Like it was, uh, it was just this awesome psychological like thriller that you're just like, like what's even going on here for like half the movie. It was just really cool. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, oh, there's so much to, to kind of parse through. I mean, this is, a uh, one of those kind of like master classes for, fil for film students, you know, like, like Kubrick's. Uh, directorial choices, the way he shoots this movie, the the way the camera follows the characters, uh, but even even the the set design of like the like the like the, the carpet design, you know, yeah. Danny plays on, and the way the rooms are laid out. I mean, it's just one of these things where it's just so visually fascinating every time you watch it. Yeah, uh, I, for me, I it was a movie I saw in bits. In, my childhood, I saw it in bits and pieces. Um, and then I think the next time I kind of came to it, it was in my, my later teen years uh, mm -hmm. where I had a girlfriend whose brothers, her older brothers, were, like, obsessed with it. And, and so oh, like, really? I, would, I would come over all the time, and they would almost always be watching The Shining on, like, a Friday or Saturday <laughs> night. Like, they just nice. were 
you know, just completely captivated by the movie. Like they loved it so much. And, you know, at, at, over various points, I'd watched it multiple times, I suppose, through them, but yeah. in different orders, uh-huh. <laughs> depending, yeah, yeah. depending on when I arrived. <laughs> uh, but but awesome. uh, I think it was like two weeks ago or so. I think it was the first time in maybe five, six years that I sat down and watched it from start to finish, kind of straight through in order. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember the scene. And I, oh, yeah, I mean, all these things kind of clicked into place. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really interesting because, like, like I said, you know, I think maybe you and I had like that similar experience, just kind of seeing bits and pieces of it, but like finally just putting it together was just like, okay, now, now I get what's going on. It's really yeah. cool. Well, I mean, as as a child and even as adult, I I am a notorious scaredy cat. I I, <laughs> I frighten easily. I uh, I tend to avoid watching these kind of movies uh, after dark <laughs> because <laughs> I have a hyperactive imagination, and mm-hmm. uh, um. It, it, this is one of those movies. I, I remember seeing, like, like I said, I think my first image of it. I think my parents were watching it on like mm. on net on like network TV, and I'm sure it was like heavily edited. Yeah, but I, I mean, I distinctly remember Jack Nicholson's head through the door, the huge yeah. Johnny line, and just being like, "That man is terrifying." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it's awesome because that's just like such an iconic scene. But like, just to see the before and after of of how it all plays together, you're like, this is really why it's creepy. Yeah. Exactly. Well, listen, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to deep dive on this movie here in just a second, but before we do that, we do have some some protocol, a procedure yeah. to take care of. Roger, <laughs> what are you drinking for this uh uh, uh Halloween Eve 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 episode of the Tomcast podcast? <laughs> we got all the eves going on and to properly uh celebrate, I got me again the enjoy by 1031 from hitting that one again. <laughs> Yeah, so Roger fuzzed that a little bit, but he's he's having the stone enjoy by ten thirty one their yes. uh, festive holiday. What is that? That's a double IPA, is not? Is it not? Yeah, it's a nine point four. So 9.4. It, it means some business. Yeah, that that was uh, no joke. You know what? It's it's funny. I actually thought you were going to bring something else on the show tonight, so you have surprised <laughs> me, sir. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm still. Uh, I, I might have to pick up what you're thinking of. So. Uh, you know, it's funny. I went looking for what I'm thinking of. And <laughs> since this is not a beer podcast, we'll just say I'm thinking of Ailsmith's Evil Dead Red. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I went a looking. Finally, yeah. I went a looking and I was I, I, I uh, came up empty handed on it. Oh, man. Uh, which means I just need to try harder. <laughs> yeah, I think they have it. Maybe Bind and Vine. Uh, that's where I'm going to go look today. So. OK, OK. We yeah. shall see. I was I was in a different part of town. So I, I made a veil of what was available to me <laughs> and sure. they, they came up empty on evil dead red but they did have another beer that is quite appropriate for this time of year and this is a this beer will be a shout out in particular to all all the east coast homies out there uh and and especially a, a wink big wink to brian mitchell because uh we're talking about dogfish heads pumpkin ale oh very nice it's, it's this is pretty much a classic this is a brown ale brewed with pumpkin brown sugar Allspice, cinnamon, and nutmeg <laughs> mm. from the Delawares. Very nice. And I guess if you're supporting Joe Biden, you want to have a Delaware beer, right? <laughs> Is, that <what laughs> Is that right? Are uh, dogfish head a... sales going to go through the roof on election night? I don't know. <laughs> it's all part of the plan. I, <laughs> I have no idea. I don't mean that to be a, a political comment in the sense that I'm here's what side I'm on. Just listen, I'm just making a statement about Joe Biden's from Delaware, dogfish heads from Delaware. Take from that what you will. 
<laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, and just as a quick aside about this beer, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, negativity, negativity about pumpkin beers. Sure. Uh, this is one of the first, one of the best, because mm. they actually put pumpkin in there and they season it appropriately. Yeah, yeah. I, I think people have problems with the one that are just like pure spice, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, but if you if you're getting that, you know, the the real legit pumpkin ingredient in the beer, then I think you're doing it justice. I agree. <laughs> All right, I, I forget if I said what the ABV on this is, but it's it's higher than you might think. It's seven percent. Mm. So, that is pretty high for a brown. Yeah, so it's got a little, little uh, kick in the kick in the face. Nice. All <laughs> right. Would you like to get picked? I, I, I after watching this movie, a, a kick is what I need. Because, <laughs> Definitely. Oh boy! I mean, do we have something to get into here? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep it as as much on the actual movie, the the Stanley Kubrick movie, as I can. Sure. Because I think everyone knows by now. Stephen King does not like this movie. This is like <laughs> the adaptation of his of his work that he's like not a fan. Get it out of my face. I don't like it. Yeah, it's so weird to me, but I don't know. I mean, I, I I've, I've looked into this a little bit. I I sort of understand his reasoning, uh-huh. <laughs> but we we'll, we'll talk about maybe we'll get into that a little bit at the at the end of the episode. But let, let's okay. kind of let's kind of start at the beginning of the movie with. We, we meet Jack Torrance. He's interviewing for a job. He's a former school teacher. He wants to write a book. And he's like, hey, I'm going to be a caretaker at this, this big-ass hotel you know, in Colorado uh, where I'm going to be isolated uh, from, like, what, like November to May? And, yeah, all the winter months, basically. Yeah, and I'll, I'll write my masterpiece novel, and I'll have my, my wife and my kid there, and it's going to be great. <laughs> I mean, it sounds cool. Does it? Does it though? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're if you're into like the the isolated vibe, if if you're just trying to get away from the world for a while, I mean, maybe now not so much because we're already living that, but <laughs> maybe by choice. Yeah, I mean, I suppose at the time, I, you know, I'm, I'm assuming Jack's under the impression that he can't write this novel because in his small little abode where he's at currently, you know, as the film's opening with his wife and his kid. There's just no room to get his his, his creative creative juices flowing. He's got <laughs> his wife and his kid yammering out all the time. He's uh he's trying to stay on the wagon because as yeah. established in the film, he has a bit of a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is you know Wendy Wendy Torrance just yap yap yapping at him all the time. <laughs> well, that's Jack's perspective on it, not mine. <laughs> yeah, just to be clear. So I think he's like, oh yeah, we'll go do this, and that way I can. Tuck them off in the in the corner room somewhere. I'll make sure to dump the boiler every so often, and then I'll write this book, this is my masterpiece, because I am a artur. <laughs> yep. Wow. I guess I'm just curious. Like, what do you think of the of the whole premise? Like, are are you in on it? I mean, you know, it didn't seem that like. I mean, I, I don't want to say that it didn't seem weird to me because it's the the concept of it is kind of something alien to us now in a world where everything is just so easily connected and to kind of be in a place where you're just like isolated from everything yeah, even things, like things are phones. rarely shut down yeah yeah just just that that notion of like oh yeah this, this area is gonna just be inaccessible mm-hmm. for a few months you know it, it's weird but you know kind of suspending disbelief that okay that maybe maybe that does happen and i'm just like not aware of it I, I think the, the concept holds up, you know, uh, other than, you know, just 
like I said, just the phone line, the technology nowadays, not really allowing for that <laughs> to happen. But I mean, you could always just go with the same route. Oh, power outage, you know, and then you got the same thing, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it, like it definitely leans into like some some kind of like the the not unfamiliar horror tropes. But you know, Stephen King was doing a good job with with his original novel of of kind of presenting these things in a fresh way, and and, yeah. and Kubrick incorporates a lot of them as well, like the the snow, the isolation, all, mm. all that good stuff. Let me ask you this: uh, uh, I I. Sorry, I'm I'm gonna phrase it oddly here, but you know we open with that interview with with, with Jack interviewing for the position for the caretaker's yeah. job. I mean, is he just lying through his teeth the entire time, or do you think he actually thinks his wife and kid are gonna like it there? You know, that's that's a good question. I, I almost kind of feel like Jack is the kind of guy that doesn't even really think about what his family's thinking. He's just kind of like, well, if I like it, then you know everyone else might. So yeah. I, I think I think you're right. I, I tend to agree with that. I, I think we are kind of clued into uh, Jack being um, fairly uh, self interested. Yeah. And like you know, his family's just along for the ride because that's you know that's just how it is. Sure. Yeah. Um, how unhinged do you think Jack is as we get to the hotel? I mean, do you think he's kind of on the precipice to begin with? Uh, you know, it, it's hard to say because. A lot of the times you, you like you see Jack interacting with people. I mean, just even in the interview, he seems like a nice guy. You know, he seems pretty cordial and, you know, uh, you know, easy to talk to, um, pretty open minded, you know, about everything. Uh, just given the the story that he's given at, at the beginning. But, yeah, you know, like he seems all right. But, um, you know, just, just the fact that we find out later that, you know, he's been uh, on the wagon for a few months now and it as you find out later, it's kind of like taking a toll on him. It, it might be this like more subconscious thing. That's just kind of like ebbing away at him. But I mean, he seems pretty optimistic at the beginning. So, so I'd like to think that most of the corruption came from the hotel. Yeah. In, okay. Interesting. Interesting. I can, I can roll with that. Uh, you know, as, as we kind of said at the beginning, we, we made the joke about, you know, the ancient Indian burial ground that doesn't come up until after he's accepted the position and he's getting yeah. like, kind of the, like the grand tour of the hotel as they, as they're kind of moving in. Um, yeah, but, but during the job interview, um, he is made aware of the situation with Del Grady, the, one of the previous caretakers who, yeah. uh, went insane and murdered his family in the hotel. And again, yeah. he doesn't really seem to bat an eye at it. <laughs> <laughs> would, would this cause you to, uh, reconsider your career choice? I mean, if I was already there, uh, it, it kind of might just be like, you know, something that he just kind of discounts is almost like a ghost story type thing. I mean, he seems like it doesn't really even phase him, which is, you know, kind of surprising in a sense. But I don't know. I mean, if you're already there, you're already kind of like, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound kind of thing. I mean, <laughs> is, is there a certain amount of arrogance to, to him, you think, for just kind of like discounting these things? Like, oh, that would never happen to me. Like isolation, whatever. I got this book to keep me company. Yeah, yeah, I know. I definitely think, I mean, we, we've already kind of established that he's he's very self-interested. So in a sense, he most likely thinks highly of himself. He, he's, uh, you know, probably thinks that, oh, you know, this is just some lunatic that just, you know, went off the deep end. But, you know, that's not going to happen to me. I'm, I'm me. I'm cool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> I'm an author, dude. <laughs> that's what he should have said when Wendy asked him if he was doing okay. He should have been like, I'm cool. <laughs> It's all good. been a better response. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so that, that kind of sets us up with, with, with Jack a little bit as as, as the family begins to move into the hotel. 
Uh, what what's your first impression when we meet uh, uh, Danny Torrance, his son, and uh, and his friend Tony, the Talking Finger? <laughs> you know, like just oh, I, I love the kid and just his acting ability, and that was so awesome. Just you know how creepy he made his imaginary friend. You know, like just the voice he does and everything. It just it really nails it. It gives it that creepy vibe. You know something about kids and just what they can see versus what we can see kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. It was interesting to me. Uh, you know, the, the voice he associates with Tony is, is very much the opposite of what I would expect a, a child's imaginary friend to sound like, you know, you imagine it would be very high pitched and la 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 la. Instead of like, <laughs> I'm Tony. We must leave the hotel red rum, red rum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was pretty, it was an interesting choice, but definitely, I think uh, it added to that creepiness and made you kind of think, all right, something, something a little off about this situation. This doesn't seem like a regular, just imaginary friend. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely uh, uh, works out pretty well in, in the grand scheme of, of the film uh, yeah. in, in kind of like vibing on that just whole creepy factor that, that this, this that kind of permeates the entire movie from start yeah. to finish. You know, you have like the kind of like, let's just say, let's just call him odd for the sake of, of, of our, discussion here he's a little off yeah. danny's a little off and then you get sure. this imaginary friend who talks like this it's a little <laughs> weird and creepy <laughs> yeah definitely it definitely lends to the creep factor ups the ante a little bit more um, oh yeah the one character i i, I don't want to say i dislike the wendy Torrance character because i think uh shelly duvall does a a, a wonderful job of Oh. having just like sheer abject terror forced upon her and, and her reactions to it are great. Mm-hmm. I, I do think she's a little undercooked in, in the sense of like development and, and her kind of like willingness to go along with Jack. Yeah. Um, and that may be the only kind of ding I have on the movie is that she's kind of, at least in the first, you know, two thirds of the movie, she's kind of just like almost subservient to Jack and is just kind of willing to put up with him despite the fact he's pretty much a jerk from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. At that point, I mean, you, you kind of uh, just from their relationship established that she, you know, like you said, she is very subservient. She she has kind of like that uh, typical just housewife, you know, yes, dear kind of attitude, uh, just basically all through that first part of the movie. And you, you kind of understand that, you know, Jack being an asshole to her is not a new thing. You know, like she seems to just be very like, oh yeah, you know, that's just how he is. Sometimes it happens. And, you know, very almost like, you know, the, the that kind of like abusive relationship kind of, uh, you know, uh, how they, how they interact, you know, like she's always trying to find a reason as to forgive his actions versus, you know, trying to be like, Hey, you know, like, why are you treating me this way? It's, it, it's, it's kind of an older trope, but it, yeah. again, it does play on that like abusive relationship aspect. And uh, I, I think just her her characterization is good in the sense that she she really like nails that like just subservient kind of like okay well you know whatever you say kind of thing and uh, she she just embodies that really well so uh, I I do agree that there could have been a little more development there but at the same time I kind of like give it a pass because of how well she you know embodies that and mm. you know just just because she is uh, you know always serving Jack in that regard. It, it sets up that character as just like, you know, well, she couldn't possibly fend for herself, which we see, you know, later on she does, which is kind of a cool juxtaposition there. But mm-hmm. yeah. And, and like you're saying, the way she kind of excuses Jack's behavior, I mean, uh, 
you know, think about the scene again, towards kind of towards the beginning of the movie when they're at the doctor's office for Danny and she's yeah. talking about the time that, that Jack, uh, I don't think they're, I don't think they are super clear on, it, but I'm assuming like dislocates Danny's arm cause he yanks him by the arm. Yeah. Yeah. That was the impression I got. Yeah. So like he, you know, he's, he's had an incident of abuse against his child and, and the way she just kind of explains it away is like, well, he just lost his temper cause Danny had made a mess and, you know, and I think we're supposed to, I think later on, once we get the information that Jack has a drinking problem, mm-hmm. we're supposed to infer like, oh, he came home drunk and just lost it. Yeah, no, I, I think even during during the scene when she's talking to the doctor, she she makes a reference to, of him coming home from the bar, I think. Okay, okay. Like that. Yeah, so, so it was, it, it's a little... Like, it's not as subtle, but, like, just the fact that, you know, the way she says it, she kind of, like, purposely omits the fact that this happened because he was drunk, you know? She just kind of, like, like we were saying, she's just kind of finding reasons to kind of forgive his actions uh, or just to dismiss them. Mm-hmm. And it's, pro- it's probably at this point we should mention, too, uh, you know, we haven't, we haven't necessarily talked about Stanley Kubrick's amazing catalog of films that he's done but uh in, in case you're not familiar with the with the work with the uh, the work this man has done uh stanley kubrick not a director known uh for leading the audience by the nose like he <laughs> yep. leaves a lot of he, he gives you a lot of stuff but he leaves it up to the audience to put it together and to make it uh work or or not to work depending on yeah. each person's unique experience with the material sure so you know, he gives us information, but maybe maybe it comes a little bit out of order, or maybe it's a little disjointed. But he leaves it up to the audience to kind of go back through it and and, and kind of process it, which is uh, something that a lot of directors do not do anymore. Yeah, I, I'd say the only one I can think of would be like Quentin Tarantino nowadays. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it was, it's a very unique way of going about it. Which again, I think it leads to the the movie's sort of. Um, the, the sort of phenomenon that has grown into because yeah. you can watch this movie and there's so much to dissect from it mm-hmm. uh, because it, it's there are scenes that, that sort of seem ambig- ambiguous but you know if you watch it and you, it may just click into place all of a sudden you're like oh wait a second hey now that <laughs> sort of illuminates this scene back here yeah um, and again, that that's kind of like part of the charm of of, of of Stanley Kubrick movie. Now, that to be to that to be to be fair, <laughs> I have full disclosure here. By all accounts, Stanley Kubrick was a complete monster during the production of this movie, especially towards Shelley Duvall. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> Which is unfortunate, and I, yeah. you know, I I can't say we condone that here on the Tomcast podcast. Nope, definitely not. <laughs> so yeah, full disclosure. I mean, we have a, a really brilliant film that that. Over you know over the thirty what thirty forty years since it's been out forty oh jeez yeah, yeah at least forty I think I think this year's forty nineteen eighty right so boom oh wow yeah you're right yeah I mean the, the the movie again like you said this is a movie that's forty years old but we are rewatching it now and <laughs> enjoying it in ways that uh, only we've only grown our appreciation for it's only grown yeah for sure. So that I want to kind of put that out there. Stanley Kubrick, not going to connect all the dots for you. So there's a lot to kind of parse through here. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get to the hotel. <laughs> this hotel is creepy as fuck, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, from, again, we, you know, we, I kind of alluded to it already from the, from like some of the carpet patterns to the way mm-hmm. the walls are done, the, 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 the hallways, the, the whole thing. I mean, a hotel empty is creepy. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I think just <clears throat> one of the, the crazy parts about like just the design of the hotel, you know, just all the colors and like you were saying about the carpets and how each room seemingly has like a different color combination, uh, just everything about it. Like just, it was, it's all over the place, but in, in the best possible way. Yeah. It, it, it really <clears throat> lends itself to being kind of its own character in the movie, uh, especially yeah. as it's, it's sort of haunting powers uh, come into play against the Torrance family. Uh the other thing I want to mention real quick too, because this is something I, t- I tend to forget sometimes to discuss when we're doing these movies, uh-huh. but the score—that sort of ominous synth music they use. Yeah, I loved it. It's super good, man, and it really sets the tone and and kind of paints this like bleak picture of what's to come. Yeah, it's just it's so it's so creepy. <laughs> to this day, again, forty years later, it's like you hear that synth and you're like. Bonk, 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 bonk. It's like, oh shit! I'm gonna see some evil twins in a minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole the whole picture starts, you know, with those winding shots through the mountains, and you get the what is it, the the DSRA, uh, you know, dun, 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 dun. yeah, that little yes, pattern there. Yes. Um, and then you know, like you said, that picks up. That theme is all throughout the movie, essentially, but just done with synths and. Yeah, man, it, it's, it's it's great. I mean, I love me some some good synth soundtracks. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what I really like too, like you, you know, you're talking about those those, those awesome uh, helicopter shots of the way up to the Overlook Hotel. You know, yeah. and, you're, and you're seeing like this grandiose spaciousness of the Colorado Rockies. And, yeah. And it's like wonderful and spacious and all this nature, uh, but then it, it it transports you inside the hotel, uh-huh. which is a sort of a different kind of grandiose and spaciousness. Yeah, but within like a man-made structure. Uh-huh. So again, it, it just kind of uh, plays off of off of the nature, off the man-made element, but like some of the elements are still the same. And I, uh-huh. again, I think it, this is one of those movies where like the space is part of the creepiness. This is like it's so big, and there's so yeah. much room, and you don't know what's around the corner, and you don't know what could be behind you now. Yeah, definitely. Just you know, just even the scenes, you know, where you're behind Danny on the bike, Oof. just you know, swooping around corners and stuff from his perspective you know you especially when you get to the you know the the infamous twin sister scene you know you're just like oh yeah that's that's some creepy stuff right there. If, there, if there's one thing i can't handle it's creepy kids and creepy twins is like the worst yeah that's that's double the creepy double the exactly double the creepiness yeah that's funny because i was watching it with the little dude and he he really liked it um but yeah, that's one thing that he's like, oh, I, I hate creepy kids. You know, <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, you are a kid. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but they scare me. <laughs> are you going to go outside of his bedroom window and be like, come play with us, Danny? <laughs> uh, that'd be funny. But I think I'd have better luck with the Jeepers Creepers soundtrack. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, that one creeped him out the most. I don't know why. <laughs> really? Yeah, Jeepers Creepers of all the ones. We, we watched The Exorcist. We watched The Shining. But it was Jeepers Creepers that got him. <laughs> Listen, I'm not right, sure. What... I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a sidetrack, uh, a little divergent here because I mean, listen, I you know, if, if you want a little man to have some fun with this movie, ask him this question: How did the creeper get personalized license plates on his truck? Oh, that's true. Yeah, that that, that kind of bothers me too. <laughs> Could you, like, is the creeper standing in line at the DMV with like his form in his hand? And like, it, it... I need the bee eating you license plate, please. Yeah, no, nobody uh, questioned his, uh, you know, 
<laughs> his presence there. Yeah, they, they, whatever. It's, you know, the country. Whatever. <laughs> I guess you can pull it off. I forget what that first one was, was set. Was it Iowa or something? I can't remember. Yeah, so I don't know. Somewhere somewhere Midwest town. Yeah, so definitely like middle of the country, but kind of like, you know, very isolated, very rural. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. It could have been an empty DMV and they just weren't paying that much attention. Who knows? <laughs> he just swiped the plate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that makes more sense, though. I don't know who he swiped it from. Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's go back to the shining. Back, yes. back to the shining. Back <laughs> to the shining. Uh, all right, so let's let's talk about Danny a little bit more. As 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 they as they come to the hotel and uh, Danny and Wendy are on their tour with with Scatman Carruthers, and, uh, <laughs> where they're talking to, and they have the conversation. Danny and, and Scatman have the conversation about the shining. Yeah. Um, how how does that play for you? Does that? Does, I mean, we're. I mean. Did, did you buy into it? <laughs> you know, I thought it was interesting because you don't know at the beginning, like you can tell there's something kind of different about this guy, but you're not sure why. And, you know, you see him then, you know, kind of glance at Danny and kind of give him like a psychic message. You're like, whoa, what's going on here? And then, you know, it, it's kind of like a, a twist because you think, oh, maybe this guy's a bad guy. But then you kind of start seeing like, oh, no, he's he's talking to Danny and he's he's asking him about all this stuff. And he's like, Oh, you know, like people like you and me, like we, we, we shine, you know, we have this special ability. So it's kind of cool because like prior to that, I didn't realize what the shining was in reference to, but it was about, you know, their inherent psychic ability, you know? So I thought that was like a pretty cool angle to go about. You know, I, I didn't even think the movie was anything about that. I thought it was just more kind of about haunting and stuff, but you kind of have this almost side story of, Danny and his psychic abilities and how that's affecting everything. So I thought it was pretty cool. No, no, it's definitely cool. I, I, um, I guess again, this is a, a symptom of me being my, my particular age and having grown up being basically raised by the Simpsons family. Uh, I, because I can't help but think of that tree house, the tree house of terror episode where, uh, it's groundskeeper Willie and Bart having the conversation about, about the shinin <laughs> and they do like a little parody of, of, uh, of, of the of the shining where it's like it's uh you know no tv no beer make homer go something something and it's you know go crazy <laughs> oh yeah no i think uh i, I was j actually just talking to brian mitchell from pry about that uh it, one of his favorite lines from that one is <laughs> when bart goes in there and the, the blood's running down the wall he's like oh cool does the blood go up the wall <laughs> <laughs> the house is like oh, I don't see why not. <laughs> it just starts going up. No, it's a great. That's a. It's a really great episode of of, of uh, Treehouse of Terror. For anyone yeah. who's watching it, if you have the Disney Plus app, you can stream all the Treehouse of Terror episodes. I've been doing it all month long. It's been a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that's right. I I think I definitely will do that. Yeah, they have them all queued up in like a little holiday uh, tier on the on the menu, on the main menu. Oh, that's cool. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so what do you think of the of the notion that so so again so yeah so so Stanley Cooper doesn't doesn't force feed his information there's not a ton of exposition we have mm -hmm. to we have to sort of infer that this this hotel's haunted year round yeah but uh what do you think of the the idea that that the house kind of becomes more alive more uh, psychically or more spiritually or or I don't know uh, what's the ghost term like a uh, <laughs> psychoactive perhaps or you know you know, uh, yeah. Spangler's EKG meter is going off the charts because yep. Danny's there with his shining power. Like, does it, does Danny's shining sort of act as like a, a like a power boost to the hotel in the spirits within? 
Mm. Yeah, you know, that's a good question, because, like, if we assume that, you know, the, the last groundskeeper that was there, if they were all just normal people, and that still happened, then maybe it was kind of just independent of Danny, but um, almost, you know, just kind of like a, a happy coincidence. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say happy in this regard, <laughs> but, like, But a you monster, know. you're a monster, Roger. <laughs> Just like a, a coincidence that he had that ability to kind of, you know, interact with these things in a different way than everyone else. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it now and I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, what what impact did Danny have being there other than just kind of seeing the stuff? And so you're kind of like, well, I, I don't know if it actually even mattered that he was there. Yeah, no, I, I and listen. Uh, uh, full disclosure for for our our wonderful listening audience. I I asked that question, uh, sort of as as a tease for what we'll, we'll talk about at the end of this episode when when we go into the sequel, the Doctor yeah. Sleep sequel, because there there are a few things in that sequel that sort of I don't want to say like illuminate, but like they kind of make you like wonder a little bit, like oh, is this maybe more of a factor than maybe I considered it to be. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, I I I think for a long time, I, I sort of thought the same thing you did. Like it just was kind of this, this sort of by the ho- by the hotel standard, a happy accident that that <laughs> Danny's there with his powers and, and he can see these things. And, yeah, and they're able to kind of uh, I don't know, I, like torment him in, in a way that it seems like they're trying to corrupt Danny uh-huh. uh, first. And they kind of go to Jack, out of as a last resort. Like once they find out that you know Danny actually is fairly powerful, yeah, at resisting them, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I think it was, it's Tony who tells him that, and I, I'm going to get the line wrong, but is, I believe it's something along the lines. Of, he's like, they're, they're just like pictures in a book; they can't hurt you. Uh huh. So he sees these flashes and he sees these things, but that does lead me to my next question, which is like. <laughs> Wait a second. Then how did the old chick in the bathtub, like, you know, get get her hands on him and, and bruise him up? Yeah, yeah. You know, I felt like, you know, they made reference to that, like, just you know, not being able to hurt him. But then they kind of go back on that later, where, where I think he even asks the old guy, where he's like, I "Thought you said like, you know, they they were just pictures, like they weren't real." Mm-hmm. But like, you know, obviously it is, and you know, even he seems like, oh wow, like. You know, maybe maybe gained this extra ability because of Danny, you know, like to him, you know, like it seemed like the old man's ability. I, I don't remember the character's name or if, I just call him Scatman because that's, Scat yeah. <laughs> that's the actor. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, if so, if you're if you if, if you're really Scatman, like that's way better than any name you're getting in a movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, so we'll just go with that. But um, yeah, no, it seemed like. You know, even his abilities weren't as strong as Danny's. Yeah, it, it, that's it, why he was lower it, spectrum. It surprised him. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like Scatman was on was on, the, was on kind of like the low end of the shining spectrum, and Danny yeah. was like kind of towards the the upper echelon. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, you know, to him, maybe the hotel couldn't interact with him in that way. Like he could see the things, but he wasn't strong enough to kind of like get that resonant psychokinetic vibration back or you know whatever well and that's that's why i wonder if if danny's presence was like this boost in their in their power base and like all of a sudden they could harm living people yeah i, I could definitely see that like you or know, perhaps it was like a psychic backlash sort of situation where like only a, a person with the shiny was going to feel the effects of these people in that regard 
sure because they could like feed off of his you know innate ability but yeah no it, it is interesting because like you said it's left open so yeah, yeah. We, we could be right we could be wrong no but, plenty of yeah. plenty of room to interpret it however we ever however uh we we like darn it yeah <laughs> but it's, it's pretty cool to think about though well let's let's go back to jack and his sort of uh descent into madness yes now the it, again i don't want to like do too much of like the book says this and the movie says this i don't want to do too much of that but yeah. the, but the novelization of the shining is much more of jack torrance is kind of possessed by the spirits of the hotel okay this move the movie is much more of uh of of Jack's kind of unhinged to begin with, but the ghosts kind of push him over the edge. I mean, that's sort of my view on this movie. Like, what do you think? Is 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 he kind of pushed over the edge, or like, what do you think? Uh, yeah, that that is a tough one. I feel like, you know, we we get the interactions between the characters all throughout, where it just kind of seems like he's getting more and more crazy throughout the course of the movie, but. It's hard to say because, you know, towards the beginning of the movie, he seems fine. But maybe even then, like, he wasn't. <laughs> you know, just the the fact that we see, you know, he, he's just been writing a bunch of nonsense in the <laughs> on the typewriter, you know. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. You exactly, know? Like, yeah. That, that was it. But, like, as far as we can tell, that, that was all he was doing for months. So it's like, you know, you could say, yeah, maybe he was uh, slowly corrupted to that regard. But the fact that he was doing that from the start might have just been like he had already snapped and was just getting worse. Just getting worse so. and worse. And then, of course, he uh, he encounters Lloyd, the bartender, <laughs> who uh, serves him up the phantom whiskey. Yeah, yeah, which is which is crazy because I'm like. So was he actually drinking? Like, can the ghost manifest alcohol? Because if so, maybe I will visit the hotel. I was going to say, Phantom Whiskey is really high proof. It's, uh, <laughs> be careful. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, a couple glasses of that and you'll murder your own family. Yeah, it's some strong <laughs> stuff, apparently. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you, you kind of have, like, these, 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 you know, once Jack sort of starts interacting with the ghost of the hotel who... He should know better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an empty hotel, yet there's a guy serving him liquor at a bar. Yeah, yeah. I think definitely an argument could be made that he was just unhinged and the ghosts definitely pushed him further along that path. You know, like the fact that he's just accepting that all these people are here without any seeming uh, semblance of skepticism or like... You know, well, not knowing what's going on. I was gonna say because because uh, because the next time he goes to the bar, uh, it, it the, the the room's full. It's like at yeah. capacity with ghosts, and he has uh, he bumps into the waiter, and, and they go into the rest into the bathroom, and they have the crazy exchange, and we find out that he has the same last name as the caretaker who killed everyone. <laughs> yep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna save that little nugget. We'll tuck that over here for later when we get to the end of the movie, because yeah. I, ha I have questions for you on that. Because I, I, again, this is one of those fun movies to talk about because everyone's opinion on it, everyone's experience with it is so unique. Yeah. So we'll, we'll tuck that little kernel away, but when he <laughs> says the last name, like Jack, Jack definitely recognizes it. Yeah. And and again, you you also start getting the lines though, like the you've always been the caretaker here, sir, and and yeah. stuff like that. So kind of like again ramping up that creepy factor <laughs> creepy factor to the maximum yeah oh man Ooh, it's creepy 
<laughs> so let's kind of get into this. Like, like we know that the, the the ghost can't really harm anybody necessarily, mm-hmm. according to one pe- part of the movie. But yeah. perhaps Danny's psychic abilities is ramping up their abilities as well, because Jack yeah. and I was all I was getting drunk off of Phantom whiskey. <laughs> and then a very key thing happens as Jack sort of begins to snap. And, and, and Wendy becomes fearful of, of everything going on. And, and Danny's been attacked by ghosts, and he's scared of room 237. And, yeah. and, and, and the, 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 the old woman in the bathtub. Ooh, that was creepy, by the way. Like, ooh. Oh, yeah. Gross. <laughs> Gives me the chills just thinking about it. The creepy yeah. twins. Again, I, I can't mention, emphasize how creepy that is. Creepy twins, <laughs> stay away from me. Yeah, we don't like them. We don't like them. But <laughs> Jack's making threatening gestures at Wendy, but she clocks him with the bat. Yep. Right upside the head. <laughs> and he goes tumbling down that massive stairwell, that, that beautiful staircase of the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. And she drags his ass to the freezer. <laughs> How does Jack get out of the freezer? Well, I mean, I guess the ghosts can finally interact with uh, the real world at that point, right? This is my thought as well, and and because I don't think enough people are are are, and again, I'm not saying uh, my theory is right by any means. I'm trying to just try to present information to consider that yeah. if Danny's shining is boosting the supernatural powers of the ghosts in the hotel, uh-huh. maybe they are trying to figure out how to inter- interact with things. And 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 uh, uh, the the waiter guy or, or was it Lloyd? I can't remember who was standing outside the freezer was able to pop that lock off to let Jack out. It's, it's uh-huh. again, one of the kind of ambiguous mysteries of the movie. Yeah. But I, I sort of like this idea. And again, sensing Dr. Sleep, I really like the idea that the spirits are sort of feeding off Danny's power and, and kind of getting yeah. stronger as that movie's kind of reaching its climax. Yeah, definitely. So so uh, talk to me about, about like, this third act here, like this climax, like like how did how did it work for you? Did it resonate with you? How how'd your family process it as Jack's sort of hunting his family now through the hotel? Yeah, you know, it, it definitely like just all escalates and just gets it's to that breaking too. point. It's like it's like Jack's like out of the freezer and he's like, I'm killing everyone. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, yeah, no, this is this is the plan. I guess uh, <laughs> I got to make it up because I messed it up the first time. He has to correct them. Yeah, <laughs> that's the uh, the best. Uh, you know, analogy I've heard for, for killing people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, oh yeah, no, I just need to correct them. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, at that point, you know, he's just going crazy through the hotel. Just, you know, already a little messed up because he's been hit, uh, you know, fell down the stairs and hurt his ankle, but he's just kind of like shuffling through with an ax in hand and going after the family. And you're just like, damn, like this is, some creepy stuff, you know, like you got Danny hiding in, uh, in random places and the mom's locked up in the bathroom and, you know, having him escape through the window. And then you get the iconic scene where he's taking the ax to the door and she's just, you know, with a knife in hand trying to, uh, hold her, <laughs> hold her shit together, but it's not going very well. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we kind of fast forwarded past, uh, Danny going a little catatonic, uh, after one yeah. of his experiences with the, with the ghost of the hotel, uh, but yeah. he, he has he has used his shining to reach out to Scatman for help. <laughs> Scatman going to leave his beautiful vacation in Miami 
to come back and 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 help little little Danny Torrance with his ghost problem and his dad problem. Uh, but he he spends a he spends a good chunk of the, of the uh, the end of Act Two, beginning of Act Three, kind of like in the bed, kind of catatonic with because of the red rum on the walls and yeah, you know, and we keeping the the great flashes of the elevator with the blood pouring out of it. <laughs> like, there's 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 so much. I know we're I feel like we're going a little fast, but uh, uh, man, there's just there's just so much to get to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But so so when when Jack does get out of the freezer and he and he's uh-huh. going around coming after everybody, like everything's moving insanely fast at this point. I mean, it's it's yeah. nuts. Like like Scatman comes back to the hotel, he he flies back into Denver, he has to get a tractor to go up to the hotel because it's inaccessible. So no one yeah. else is going to go up there. All the roads are closed, so he needs like a like a snowmobile-esque tractor thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as soon as he as soon as poor Scatman gets there, what happens? He just gets axed. Right to the fucking chest. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. I was like, you know, it, it built up his character so much that you thought he was, you know, going to be able to help them out somehow. And literally after all that stuff, he finally gets there just to essentially do almost nothing <laughs> in the long term. He brings a tractor up, which is, you know, kind of the the escape path mm-hmm. ultimately. But other than that, that was it. You know, he, he just brought the vehicle. And he ends up being the only person that that Jack actually kills in the movie. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's true. Like, despite the the, the sheer terror he's inflicted on his own, on his own family, he hadn't killed anyone yet <laughs> until poor yeah, Scatman yeah. walks into that into that axe blade and right into his chest. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if we're going by numbers proportionally, he killed twenty five percent of the people in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I like that. <laughs> So another thing we didn't mention when 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 the when the Torrance family first gets to the hotel is is uh, you know before winter really sets in you have Wendy and Danny uh, uh, going th- for walks in the hedge maze outside of the hotel. Yeah. The hedge maze. Oh, the hedge maze. <laughs> oh yeah. What are your feeling on hedge mazes? You know, I've never gone in one. Uh, I don't really feel like I'm missing that much. Well, we don't have a lot of hedges here in Southern California. This is true. I mean, yeah, if, if they're, they're more like shrub children. mazes, so they're like knee high. <laughs> yeah, or you Not just got a cactus maze. maze, and that sounds terrible. <laughs> it's all sagebrush. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, again, you know, it's, it's so they kind of foreshadow the the maze a, a, a little bit, just a tiny bit. Yeah. You know, the, the again, it's something that Danny becomes familiar with, going for walks with his mom, uh, and and so once. Jack shifts his focus from Wendy to killing Danny. Yeah. Due to the urging of the ghosts. Uh, Danny wisely. Uh, and I forget if he's, he's not instructed by Tony, is he? As far as I can, I mean, it doesn't make any direct reference to it. It's possible, but the plan seems to be his own, which is yeah. pretty smart. Yeah. So Danny heads for the hedge maze. And uh, at this point it's, it's wintertime. It's snowing. It's blustery. And and Danny, being the smart kid he, that he is, with his his sweet shin and powers, uh, 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 starts covering his tracks and, and doing double backs and, and leaving, leading false trails, and and eventually, yeah. um, in the end of the movie, Jack just has to give up because he's lost in the hedge maze and can't get out and uh, freezes to death. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy to think that he was just essentially beat by cold and exhaustion, you know. Yeah. And then, as you said, uh, the, the 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 wonderful tractor that Scatman was so nice to bring ends up being the way that Danny and 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 his mother Wendy are able to leave the resort and get out of the hotel. 
and yeah. head to safety. And that's sort of that's kind of the end, except <laughs> we go back into the hotel. We get these wonderful sweeping shots and these cameras working its way through the hallways, and we come to a wall with photos on it. Yeah, and we pan in on one particular photo, Fourth of July, nineteen twenty-one, right there in the foreground, Jack Torrance. <laughs> and then you you can't help but think of the line, "You've always been here. You've always been the caretaker." Roger, what does that mean? Man, I don't know. I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, and I'm just like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Like that was just like uh, the the biggest twist, and I'm just like, so what does that actually even mean? Like, does that mean that he was a ghost the whole time? Like, he was part of the hotel, or you know, is this just like a reincarnated version, and he just kind of came back, and he's always destined to the hell of the hotel? You know, it's I, I don't know. There's so many ways you could interpret it. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things to kind of parse through on that. And I, I, I have no, again, I don't, there's no, there's not really a right or wrong answer, by the way. I just have like my own little tiny theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like I also have, actually I have a secondary theory too. So I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's always good. I, I, I'm waiting for, for a, a shining aficionado uh, to reach out to me and tell me that I'm a doofus for thinking this. And trust me. <laughs> I think there's going to be a, at least a couple listening to this episode to uh, correct us both. Yeah, most likely. Uh, okay. So. One thought I had, and that I've, I've actually read on the internet, that some people seem to think this is a theory, and I, I, I think this is a little bit more far-fetched than I'm comfortable with. Okay. But that, that both uh, Grady, one of the previous caretakers, uh-huh. and, and Jack Torrance are descendants of previous caretakers who mm. were more highly susceptible to the influence of the hotel. And so Correct. that you're actually just seeing a photo of what the, you know their ancestor or whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, that's possible. I'm not personally crazy about that theory. Yeah. I sort of like the idea that the hotel, being this like supernatural entity that it is, as it consumes you, like it does, as, as you, we kind of witness it doing to Jack throughout the movie, that yeah. you sort of become this part of its retroactive history. Uh-huh. And it, you just become, again, you just kind of become part of the hotel as it consumes you and everything about you. Yeah, you know, and that's, that makes, I actually kind of like that because we actually kind of get the reference to that in the sequel, which uh, which we'll get to. But yeah, that, that kind of gives more credence to that. Like you just become part of the hotel once it's had its way with you. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, it's just kinda like, like history of the world be damned. It's like the history of this hotel and it's constantly shifting based on who it's able to corrupt and consume into mm-hmm. its into its its horrifying essence. Yeah, because we we did hear earlier in the movie that the previous caretaker, you know, he killed the family, but he also killed himself there, right? Right. And yeah. then so basically, everyone that dies in the hotel, or you know, on the premises in Jack's case, you know, it's like they all become part of that. So yeah, no, that that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and the the line that the, the, you've always been here. It, yeah. You know, it's sort of like, oh, it's preordained that yeah. this is going to happen because he's been a part of this. It's like this kind of like loop, this circle that he's kind of like fulfilling the prophecy almost in a way. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I this that's one thought that I, I seem to kind of am like I like this idea the most that I've thought of so far. And I I, I went on the internet. I'm not the only one who thinks this. I, I'm not claiming this to be a, an original Tomcast Popcast theory for The Shining. But it like like I was like this kind of is how I feel. And then I looked it up and and like there's a couple other theories that all kind of are along the same lines as that. And I was like, all right, cool. So I'm not the only one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it just seems it seems very clean, you know, like in terms of just what we've seen in the logic of the movie that the the hotel can essentially make its own reality, you know. So if if it's absorbing souls, essentially, um, it makes a lot of sense that you know it would just kind of rewrite that person to make its own narrative, you know. Yeah, exactly. And and again, it kind of there's also a little bit of a. Well, I mean, we're gonna talk about it in a minute when we when we go into Doctor Sleep, but I. I, I feel like this theory is actually a little bit reinforced by Doctor Sleep because of the idea that yeah. Danny's presence as like this is as like this kind of like spiritual amplifier. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, maybe that does kind of jive, but maybe maybe they just wanted to make more sense. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, I, I like it. <laughs> I like the theory. Yeah. All right, Roger. So we took a little break there. We think we hit all the high notes uh, for for The Shining. You know, again, you and I were just talking before I turned the recorder back on about just just how wonderful, well, wonderful might be a strong word, but like how captivating <laughs> and terrifying Jack Nicholson's performance is. And I mean, the movie's worth a watch just to see him be just unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he plays unhinged like no other person. I mean, that he just has these like these moments of tension, you know, it just makes the scene uncomfortable just in his mannerisms alone and his facial gestures. I mean, that, that alone was, you know, pretty awesome to watch. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, so, so almost a year ago, uh, a movie was released based off of another Stephen King book called Dr. Sleep. And it yes. was the sequel to the shining following a, a a a much older Danny Torrance. Yes. You know, 40 plus years removed from the events of the the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Now this is where we, we kind of have to talk about some of the differences between King's version of The Shining and Kubrick's version of The Shining. The the biggest difference being at the mm-hmm. very end of The Shining in the novel, the Overlook Hotel is destroyed. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> when this movie was optioned as a film, the 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 screenwriter Mike Mike Flanagan, who had done several, who has written uh, several really really nice horror movies in the in the past, uh, yeah. was, was sort of tasked with creating a dual sequel. He had to kind of take King's adaptation, or I'm sorry, King's novel, which was a direct uh-huh. sequel to the to the book, you know, which has yeah. like the overly exploding. Uh, but he had to sort of take all that, but make it a sequel, also to the film. So he, he kind of had two different masters to appease. You know, you wow. had Stephen King, and then you had the the film, the Kubrick film, which is obviously you're targeting the movie audience, so you have to make them happy too. Uh, sure. Yeah. By by all accounts, on on much unlike Kubrick's version, Stephen King seemed fairly amenable to everything that Mike Flanagan did with his huh. screenplay for this, and and Mike Flanagan also directed this movie. Okay. Uh, and I'll be honest, Roger. Uh, you know, you and I both watched this. I think roughly the same weekend, so like two weeks ago or what, whatnot. Yeah, uh, I was uh pretty surprised how much I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I was also pleasantly surprised. I, you know, I went into it with uh, really no notion on how good it was going to be. Uh, you know, my pessimistic side was like, oh, this is probably just going to be some cheap cash grab, you know. Um, but no, I was, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised. It was, it was a really good watch. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, the uh, the, uh, the two the two standout performances in this are are hands down Ewan McGregor and Rebecca yeah. Ferguson. Uh, uh-huh. They are absolutely, some almost. I'll, I'll just say it's like spellbinding. I mean, like you just watch yeah. them and you're like, man, like there's some problems with this movie, but like they're fascinating to watch. And I, I even made a comment. Yeah, yeah. I I even put out a comment on Twitter. It's like, listen, you can say whatever you want about the Doctor Sleep movie. You can't accuse Ewan McGregor of phoning it in, like. This guy came to play. <laughs> like, Ewan steps into the plate like he always does. And I, yeah. you know, I shouldn't be surprised at this point because I've, I've, I know that man's film career, like, inside and out. Uh, mm-hmm. But, again, like you, I, I kind of had low expectations for Dr. Sleep. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I totally agree with your assessment on the performances. I just, you know, like, every scene they're in, you're just like, what are they doing? Like, just just the, the movement and the way the camera captures them and, their, their facial expressions and everything. You just feel every little thing, and it's it's just super great to watch. So I'm, I'm going to put it out here right now, because I know Doctor Sleep is fairly... Uh, it's a fairly new movie. Like a fairly new new movie. Like I said, it's, it's been yeah. out for about a year. Uh, I think it's still on HBO right now. So if, if, you have, yep. if you have not had a chance to watch it, I, I say, hey, go ahead and do so. Uh, because yeah. from here on out, I think Roger and I are going to get into spoilers. So spoiler yeah. warning is in effect. Hit the siren. Take us a red alert. There it is. <laughs> All right. What is so wonderful about this movie to me, and that, like I said, there are flaws. Don't get me wrong. Sure. There are parts of it where the movie kind of meanders a little bit. It's a little mm-hmm. long in the tooth. I feel like it could be at least half an hour shorter. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. I love the third act of this film. Yeah, <laughs> once, it's really good. I mean, it starts to really pick up once Ab- Ab- Abra, the little girl, and and Danny meet in real life. Like they're they're kind of become like pen pals via their shining powers. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, which is which is you know wonderful and cute and and uh, it's at this point the begin the I should back up the beginning of the movie is is showing a Danny Torrance who is much on the path of his father, like raging alcoholic, you know, waking up in strangers' beds, robbing yeah. people, taking their money. I mean, <laughs> rob- yeah. and now granted, the person, the person he's robbing is a junkie, but a junkie with a kid. So, I mean, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> sure. But, but you know, we, we, we meet a Danny who needs help, and he, and he finds help eventually in, in the form of a, a, who is it? I think it's Cliff Curtis, right? From a, the first season of Fear the Walking Dead. He plays Billy Freeman. Uh, not familiar with the show. So all right. Well, never mind. But he, he he meets a guy who helps him kind of get back on the path. Takes him start going to, starts going to AA. He's doing rehab. Yeah. Um, it, kind of getting his life back on his feet. He's in the small town. I think in like New Hampshire or something. Mm-hmm. You know, just very Stephen King kind of town. Yeah. Uh, but he still has his shining powers, and he starts to find out there's other people with shining powers. And this girl, yeah. this uh, this young girl, connects with him through her shining powers. And again, this this kind of friendship is formed, this pen pal uh, relationship. But this girl, Abra, her powers are yeah. seem to be even more impressive than Danny's. Yeah, you know she's having visions of other kids with the shining, and they're being hunted by like, these like yeah. gypsy vampires. <laughs> yep. What did you think of the threat of this movie? Like, like were you kind of down with like the gypsy vampires, or like how how did it process for you? 
you know, I, I kind of liked them as like a new villain. You know, it was it definitely was a completely different take on everything in terms of uh, almost the tone. Just initially, you know, it was a, a lot more action oriented. Um, you know, because you have actual people as opposed to spirits in a house. You know, like you're you're just roaming all over. You're kind of seeing them kidnap people, take them. You know, eat off their shining. <laughs> Yeah, eat their souls, you know? It's <laughs> just like, yeah, it, it was some brutal stuff. And they were definitely, like, good villains in that regard. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, going back to, like, the beginning, uh, you know, I, I think we kind of skipped over where, you know, Danny... It, it's cool how they got uh, actors to kind of recast their younger versions of themselves. So you get to see Danny in the beginning uh, overcoming all the spirits that kind of follow him home. Which is an interesting thing because we oh, kind of thought right. that they were just, yeah, they were just stuck in the hotel. Is yes, how, how he dealt with all of those, yeah, like the, the boxes he puts them in and everything. You're right. That is a really key element, and I thought a really nice scene too. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought it was great. You get kind of the uh, the angel on your shoulder character of a uh, Scatman's character, <laughs> obviously recast as someone else, but um, yeah, it's what's his name from uh, from uh, from from. Oh god damn it! I can't even think of the name of the show right now. <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I'm not sure myself, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was just cool to see that you know they they kind of had that that recasting characters, and you kind of got to pick up where the first movie left off, and you get to see that okay, Danny has figured out a way to literally put these demons in a box in his mind, you know, kind of just lock them away so they don't bother him anymore. And I think that was cool to see, but it's obviously like this, you, you get that notion that it's a constant struggle. And like you said, you know, he's dealing with alcoholism, much like his father was. And, you know, just trying to shut out these demons that he's constantly seeing. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a really cool take just to see kind of that progression of like, yeah, he, he's not doing the best stuff. But, you know, he still has kind of that, you know. Uh, conscience figure that kind of appears every now and then is like, really, you're going to steal from a, from a mother. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right. Well, I mean, she stole my money first, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> actually know, it's, just uh, the back and forth, you know, it must be crazy to see in third person. It's actually a, a, a Carl Lumley playing okay. the Scatman Crothers uh, character for, uh, of Dick Halloran. Uh, and, okay. and Carl Lumley for anyone unfamiliar is, is uh, Mantis from Fox back in the day, but he's also the voice of John Jones from the, from the Justice League cartoon. Uh, oh. He's Martian Manhunter's father on, on the Supergirl series. Carl Lumley, <laughs> big deal. Exciting. Gotcha. I'm a big Carl Lumley fan. His voice, he does amazing voice work. Uh, but yeah, that, that was who uh, played Scatman's character. Uh, uh, Dick Halloran was his name. Got it, got it. Okay, yeah, no, but yeah, just kind of having that there was just super cool to see that like progression over time. And I, I thought they did a really good transition of going from, you know, tying up loose ends from the first movie into where we are now. Yeah. I, I did really enjoy this, this stuff with, with, with Danny as a kid, learning kind of how to confront his, the, like the ghost, the, the, the monster that were falling home after the events of The Shining. And that was all, <laughs> I, that was all really, really cool. I did really, really like that. But yeah, again, you know, despite being able to put those ghosts away, he can't quite put that past experience behind him which i guess leads to like the alcoholism and, and sort of like that downward spiral we find him on yeah you're right yeah because it, it kind of seems like it's it's just always a lingering thing as we see later on uh you know you get the the, the spirits uh talking to him again but now it's the 
the spirits of the of the junkie he left behind and her daughter you know yeah. and you're just like oh man so that's the kind of stuff he has to constantly live with you know it's it's not just that he hasn't overcome these old demons but there's constant new demons that he's just trying to shut out of his mind so yeah. it, it's it's pretty intense and i i like the the imagery of it and the way they went about telling that story yeah and i i suppose it's at this point that i'll, I'll interject the, the name of the, of the great one stephen king uh, you yeah. know, one of one of his big problems with The Shining was he felt like the the film adaptation was a disservice to to his characters, to Jack and to Wendy, uh, in particular. He didn't like the, the, the he didn't like the the the, this, the film versions that were on screen. Like he, you know, you see Jack Nicholson and you're kind of like that guy's gonna go crazy. Like it it was kind of like not in doubt. And you know, again, like we talked about, like Wendy was just kind of like a a vehicle for screams. <laughs> and I guess in 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 King's original novel, she was a much more uh, developed and and uh, 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 independent person. You know, she could act on her own and 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 was more willing to engage and defend her herself and her son, as opposed to what we saw in the film. Yeah. By contrast, uh, King was very much a a fan of this version of Doctor Sleep, even though it was going to be a sort of a sequel to the film that he doesn't like. He liked that the character, what they did with Danny was kind of that through line with Danny was pretty much right on. Yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of the the key to get Stephen King to sign off on your adaptation is, is be true to the, be true to the character. And and Stephen King will will come out and be like, Hey, go watch this. Yeah. Yeah. I I can definitely get behind that. And the, definitely the characterizations were great. Yeah. I, I like I, like I said, I mean, this movie alone is worth watching just to to see you and McGregor uh do really cool things with a character you think you might know from, you know, when you when you were watching this as a kid. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really cool to see how his like his character developed because, you know, da- Danny was a kid in the first one, so you only just really get like a a child's perspective on everything, but just to kind of see how he is as an adult, you know, he's a grown man now and, you know, how he's been dealing with everything so it's really cool to kind of like have them establish this character because you know there, there's so many different paths he could have taken after the hotel you know and for anyone who's wondering it is danny who is quote-unquote dr sleep uh mm-hmm. because uh he, he ends up he, once he is sober and he's living a clean lifestyle uh he gets a job working hospice and yep. uh with the with the aid of a cat he, <laughs> he knows when it's people's time to pass on and he goes to to offer them comfort as they are leaving the mortal coil, as they yeah. shuffle from this mortal coil to whatever lies beyond, and yeah. he, he sort of becomes like this voice of comfort to them as they they close their eyes forever. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of it's kind of sweet in a, in a way. Um, yeah. Again, it it slows the movie down a little bit, but it's kind of interesting to kind of see who this Danny's become and maybe why he's so reluctant to become engaged. In the conflict with these uh, these uh, uh, gypsy vampires who feed off the shining, yeah, because yeah. he's completely off their radar, uh-huh. completely off their radar. These 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 gypsy vampires target children and, and young people. You know, they recruit the one girl to their side after they see what she does and how she's able yeah. to use her powers. Uh, mm-hmm. But mostly, they're feeding off of kids. And that scene with the little, with the little baseball player boy, that's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty rough. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was brutal. Yeah, that, that was a tough watch for sure. Just kind of like inhaling his uh, shining essence is like oof. Yeah, just like torturing him in the process. It was crazy. Right, but because of because of the shining, and again, uh, uh, Abra, the little girl who's going to be the next victim of these gypsy vampires, 
uh, in her in her pair pen pal with with Danny, we get this a uh, really fun cat and mouse game. Yeah, where they keep trying to, like trick each other using their powers basically because uh, the gypsy vampires they're not uh, use I mean they're not clueless. Yeah, I, I think at least it's some fun stuff, especially in, like the camping ground scene. Where like you know uh, Danny's picking him off with a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was like the most action oriented part of the movie. Yeah, but I was it, like, oh wow, we got some like gunfights going on here. <laughs> but it was kind of clear that uh, the vampires were were letting that happen on purpose to kind of like thin their numbers because they they yeah. had an end game plan for that as well. Yeah, they're like, cool. Well, kill a few of these guys for us, and that way we get more of the juice for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it was like the super like devious planning there, but yeah, it kind of was. Almost all according to plan. Yeah. So eventually, uh, let's fast forward a little bit. Abra and Danny come up with a, and mostly Danny, because <laughs> Danny's got this little secret in his back pocket that, again, <laughs> watching this movie, I didn't know was going to come into play. Yeah, me neither. So I was completely surprised when they're on a road trip to Colorado. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, are they going to do this? I, I, I'll be honest, as a, as a, as a, person watching this for the first time i was rather surprised they were going to kind of like tread on the ground of, of what is kind of considered a, a sacred movie by by so many by a horror movie and movie aficionados sure i was like i was like oh my god are, are they going to go back to the hotel and do this yeah and they did and i kind of <laughs> i kind of had to give them like crazy credit for doing yeah. it because i thought that was super fucking gutsy yeah, I know for sure, but I definitely thought it was the right decision. Yeah, I mean, did, did I mean, did you see it coming? Was I just being naive, or, or were you surprised too? No, no, I definitely didn't see it coming. Like, I, I almost like didn't even understand his plan by going there in the first place. I'm just like, wait, what, what, what's what's the goal here? Why would he be going back to this evil place? You know, but you know, I, I guess he was under the impression that this last person was going to be like the most powerful of all the vampires and essentially he's like well i don't know that we can handle this but uh i know someone that can yeah and this sort of this sort of feeds back into, into what we talked about earlier where like danny's sort of like this 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 power amplifier within the hotel yeah so once he gets in there I, to uh, my kind of read on it was like him in the hotel sort of blinds the vampire uh, to uh, uh, what's what's her name? Rebecca the Hat, something like that. Or not Rebecca yeah. the Hat. <laughs> Rebecca's her real name. Sorry. It's uh, <laughs> Rose the Hat. Sorry, Rebecca's her real name. It's Rose the Hat's the character. But his power oh. within the in, within the Overlook sort of blinds her to what's going on around them, and it, it kind of like leads all these all these fun like misdirects and and the bringing back of the ghosts that Danny's yeah. had to put in the boxes. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a that was a very cool thing, especially like when she sees into his mind and kind of sees all the boxes, mm-hmm. but doesn't understand what they are. Right. I thought that was that was pretty cool because you're like, oh, you're you're gonna find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I love how the boxes were were in the hedge maze, and it was like yeah. you know kind of like a, like like a like a digital recreation of the hedge maze from the from the actual film from the first film. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you about this part of it. This was the one part where I was like. Okay, this I like. I appreciate you're you're showing some tact here. You're showing some restraint, uh-huh. but I don't know. And that would be <laughs> Danny in the bar at the hotel at the Overlook. Yeah, engaged in a conversation 
with his father, a, a recast Jack Nicholson, um, yeah. who they only keep in profile, so you can't yeah. see him straight on to realize like that guy doesn't look like Jack Nicholson at all. <laughs> but doesn't yeah i guess it's like you know maybe if i was like way wasted i would have thought it was him <laughs> in profile yeah what'd you think of that scene uh you know i i was under the same impression it took me a couple seconds to realize that that's what they were going for that it was his dad um because the guy only like vaguely resembles jack nicholson in that mm-hmm. regard and even only from profile um but, you know, I, as soon as I understood what was going on, I'm like, okay, I give it a pass. They're, they're not trying to go, you know, the, the Marvel route of just doing digital faces, <laughs> like just uh, replacing faces of old actors and stuff. But, um, uh, you know, I, I liked the scene. I liked that, you know, he kind of took this moment to almost get out everything that was on his chest, you know, that he never got a chance to talk to his father about. Yeah, and uh, yeah. the 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 hard part was for him is just like this this ghost doesn't even realize that it's his father, you know, is just treating him like any other guy, and you know, just to not only get the chance to like spout all that out, but still get nothing back from it. It's like almost like well, he 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 got out, you know, what he needed to, but it didn't really make him feel that much better, most likely. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I agree. I thought it was a really good scene. The only, uh, uh, again, a really good scene for the character. Uh, I, it, sure. I I did kind of rub up against that. Yeah, okay, it's not Jack Nicholson. I get it, but sure, it, it it was you know. I just tried to focus on you, and at that point, it was like, don't look at the Jack, the fake Jack. Look at Dylan. <laughs> listen to the words that are being said, because because you gotta remember, Danny is a character. His father yeah. died when he was really really young, and there was probably a lot of things he wanted to say to his dad growing up, and he never got the chance to. So. Going back to the Overlook and, and sort of literally confronting the ghosts of his pasts was, yeah. was a, I, you know, there's a, a for the characters is a bit of a catharsis. Yeah. But as, as an audience, it's just exciting. Yeah, for sure. No, it, 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 I really, again, I was really impressed with the third act of the, of the film. And the, I guess the only problem I had with that scene was like, I was like, oh, Danny's not making it out of the hotel. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and and it, it in, a, in a weird sort of um circle of life kind of moment danny does what his father did in the book which was trigger the boiler to explode oh, now, interesting now granted in in the in the in the, in the novelization uh jack finally comes to his senses and is trying to stop the boiler from exploding so he can save his family but he's, he's he's far too late at that point because he again the the sins he's committed means he has he must die. Yeah. Danny in this case is is attempting to make sure that the sins can't leave the hotel, so he's intentionally trying to explode it. So yeah. Again, it's there's this this is weird. Again, I don't like buzzwords, but synergy synchronicity between yeah. the old novel and the new movie, and it's just kind of yeah. like, it's sort of like. This movie makes up for the sins that that King perceived that Kubrick committed against yeah. his movie. It's really kind of meta. There's a lot going on. Yeah, because if you look at it just like ultimately at the end, like both the novelizations and the movies have the same end result, I guess. Yeah. 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 yeah and and we, we, we should mention, too, like we had a couple people reach out to us uh, when I made it known in, in some private conversations we were doing this episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, my brother, 
who is who is a fan of the movie and the book and has read and seen Doctor Sleep as well was really excited. He was like hoping to come on and talk to us about this. And and you can't you encountered some people, including our good friend Brian Mitchell. And, yeah, and some others who wanted to come on and do the show with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was a popular one for sure. Well, and listen, like, yeah, uh, I I can honestly say, like, in it, when when we when we finally move into a post COVID world, yeah, <laughs> we will go and redo this episode at Pariah Brewing Company with as many people as I have microphones for. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Because I would lo- I'd love to get into this more with some more people because it, it's it is such a fun movie too. Uh, the Shining and and Doctor Sleep even maybe not on the yeah. same level, maybe not yeah. the same level, but. The mythology from Doctor Sleep is important, and yeah. I, I think it's kind of, sh- sh- pun intended, shines a light on, <laughs> on some of the stuff in in The Shining that maybe needs uh, a little bit more clarification. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm definitely glad that that movie exists in order to kind of tie up some loose ends from the first one that clarified a few things, and but at the same time didn't really mess with any of the super ambiguous stuff that was kind of like left to your interpretation, mm-hmm. which is cool. You know, it gave enough background as to what was going on with Danny and what was going on with the house, just on a general level with the energy and the souls or whatever. But, you know, like I said, it, it left it open to like any theories you had about the first movie, you can still have them. And this movie doesn't like undo any of that, which is cool. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. It's uh, it it worked out much better than I thought it would. And like and like I said, Doctor Sleep has some some pacing issues, and, sure. and you know it, it's like I said, a little long in the tooth. It, it can kind of meander a little bit, particularly towards the beginning. I think I think yeah. we spent far too much time with 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 drunk wasted Danny than we than we kind of needed to. But sure. But but we get where we're going, and I think it makes up for itself in the third act. The third act is once you get to the Overlook, and you're like. Oh, we're doing this. It's on. <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely picks like, up there, and you're like, "Oh man, this yeah. is gonna be awesome." As as a fan of The Shining, I I I I find it hard to not not get excited to kind of see that stuff. Yeah, and you know, I mean, again, and we, we sort of we didn't we didn't mention the part in The Shining uh, where after Jack has terrorized his wife, and she can now see the spirits. Yeah, like we 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 neglected to mention the 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 abject terror she finds as she wakes her way through the hotel to try and rescue her son. I mean, the the movie's got so much. Both of these movies kind of have a lot going on. The main one, yeah. you know, the, the original, the OG, in particular. <laughs> but what a good time! Yeah, yeah, for sure. I did you guys have a fun weekend? Did you, did the family enjoy? Oh yeah, no, for sure. We we did them back to back. So, yeah, the little dude loved them both. He thought it was really cool. You know, he, he liked seeing Danny grow up and get these cool powers and nice, stuff. Nice. And, uh, yeah, just, yeah, I, I feel like they were, you know, on the whole, they're pretty tame in terms of, like, you know, gore and that kind of stuff. Uh, only had to cover his eyes a couple times when, uh, you know, naked old ladies pop out. But <laughs> other, than, other than that, you know, I think it's it's a pretty good watch. You know, he he really liked it. He loves horror movies, so um, yeah, definitely definitely a good family watch. I think. Yeah. Well. <laughs> All right, I'll go with that. Why not? Fuck it. It's 2020. A good Halloween family watch. The, the real horrors are outside of our houses right now. Let Let's just watch The Shining and Doctor Sleep and call it a weekend. That's fine. You're right. Yeah, yeah I'm down with that. <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah. I was gonna say. I think the other thing too, real quick about Doctor Sleep that I liked, especially when they're going as we transition from Act Two to Act Three. Yeah. The reincorporation of that 
fucking creepy ass score. Yeah. <laughs> Hit the synth, baby. <laughs> the synths came back. <laughs> oh, it was good. It was good. I, you got anything else you want to say about these flicks, Raj? Because I feel like I'm tapped out. No, I, I think I think we hit up all the all the major stuff that we wanted to hit. We, we hit the key points, but like I said, or like you were saying, actually, it'd be great to you know have a future episode where we get some more minds involved in yeah, this. Yeah, they, they have like a real roundtable conversation about the shining and and yeah, and, you know, in, incorporate the elements of, of Doctor Sleep that are that are uh, pertinent. Yeah, for sure. But it, I would be but, down. But if anyone's interested uh, in in the the dichotomy of of a film adaptation versus its novelization. I, I feel like you need to read the novelization of the shining and watch the film of the shining, <laughs> the Kubrick shining. Yeah. There was an ABC miniseries that Stephen King wrote in like 1997. Oh, that is more faithful, but not nearly as interesting because <laughs> it's a TV yeah. movie with Stephen Weber. Yeah. It's not the same. <laughs> I listen, I love me some Stephen Weber, but like he's no Jack Nicholson. Yeah, this is true. And then again, like I said, like the interesting sort of uh, the way uh, uh, Mike Flanagan takes the novel of Doctor Sleep, which is a, a direct sequel to the Shining novel, and yeah. then sort of adapts it into a, a sequel for the film. It, it's is I it's interesting. I, I love that dichotomy. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, it's a really really cool approach, and you know, props to him for for being able to bring those two universes and converge them. You know, agreed. All right, Raj. Well, listen, uh, this is probably the last time I talk to you before Halloween. Uh, do, do, do you and the family have big plans? Uh, you know, I don't even know if Halloween is, is really happening on the outside world. So I don't think it we're, is. We're kinda, <laughs> we're kind of keeping it at home, you know. I, I got us a big bag of candy. We're going to watch horror movies all day. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. I support that plan 110%. I think, yeah. I think we're actually going to do our pumpkin carving on Halloween night. Uh, oh, nice. Because here in the San Diego's, you know, uh, pumpkins get moldy real fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got one in the trunk right now, so that one is definitely going to be carved up Friday. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Friday or Saturday, we're, car- we're carving pumpkins. We'll have them out for at least a night, and then uh, we will dispose of it before it starts to stink up the house. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Roger, thank you so much for joining me tonight, man. I'm, I'm glad we did this. This was a kind of a fun, like a little, almost like a mini double feature. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, mon frere. I will talk to you soon. Happy Halloween. Don't scare all your neighbors. <laughs> or do. That's up to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do. All right. We're, we're gonna be we're gonna be back very, very soon because uh November's coming, buddy. And uh Oh yeah. Maybe maybe November we'll have to go back to doing some new stuff. We'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what what happens news pearl. Yeah, I, I I've heard rumors that, that, that uh that beautiful man uh Oscar Isaacs is doing wonderful things for Marvel, so we might have to talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's some exciting <laughs> stuff. And that's what we call a tease in the podcast world, folks. Stay tuned to hear more about Bu- Oscar Isaac and his beautiful face. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon, Raj. Thanks again, bud. Yep, likewise. See you later. Hey, I found a shortcut through a hedge maze. Go away, you little! No, no, go easy on the wee one. His father's gonna go crazy and chop them all into haggis. What's haggis? <gasps> Boy, you read my thoughts. You've got the shining. You mean shining. Shh. You want to get sued? Hey, all right. We're back. I hope you enjoyed that fun conversation with the amazing, the incredible, the clean-shaven, shorn Roger Smith. He's Roger Smith. He's at Jedi Raj on Twitter, Instagram. 
I meant to say he is Jedi Raj. But he, yeah, you get him up on the Instagram, on the Twitter, at Jedi Raj. He's got fun thoughts and fun opinions. He shares some fun pictures of creepy, weird things. And, uh, yeah, he, it, I, I, I enjoy this conversation quite a bit. Like we kind of alluded to in, in, the, in the chat, The Shining is a movie with a lot of, of sort of ambiguity, like a lot of information that can be interpreted in multiple different ways and in multiple different uh, scenarios. And, and, and I sort of feel like Dr. Sleep provided a little bit more information to kind of reevaluate what we saw in The Shining. Uh, am I wrong? Am I right? Let me know. You guys and gals and people, fine folks out there, you know where to find me. We're on the social media. We're at Tomcast Popcast on Twitter, Instagram. You can email the show, TomcastPopcast at gmail.com. Let me know if I'm a kook or not, all right? Uh, I mean, I'm a kook. Like, that's kind of a given. But let me know if, you know, what, let me know what you think about The Shining. I wasn't joking when, when I told Roger, like, it would be really fun to have, to sit down with, you know, four or five, six people and have a really uh, thoughtful, well-rounded roundtable conversation about The Shining because uh, there, there's so many ways to interpret the events of the film and, and to interpret Danny's powers and, and uh, Jack's insanity and, 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 and Wendy's... Uh, re- the, the, the reality that Wendy lives in in this movie. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to, to kind of get into, to kind of dive into, to pull apart and, and look at that meat. Look at that tender, tender meat on the inside. Anyways, listen... I want to thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. I don't know if you know this, but there's sweet, sweet, sweet TomCast Popcast merch available to you on the 3BZine website. Head over there, 3BZine.com. Click on the merch t- the merch tab. You're going to go to our store envy site. You'll be able to buy Beer Night in San Diego gear, TomCast Popcast gear, and MandoVision gear. Get ready for the sweet, sweet, sweet gear. The merch life. The holiday seasons are coming up. Who doesn't want to give my face on a t-shirt for a Christmas present? I mean, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Am I right? Am I right? Hey, it's there. Check them out. Get the shirts. Rock them. Make your friends jealous. Make your wife, make your husband jealous that you're rocking the TomCast Popcast gear. You're rocking that MandoVision gear. Ooh, that hoodie looks sharp, by the way. I'm not going to lie. I will be rocking that MandoVision hoodie this holiday season. That is a fact. Anyways, hey, if you want to become an official member of Pophead Nation, please do so at patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. You will get access to amazing bonus content. Bang for your buck. As my way of saying thank you for your, your fine contributions to keeping this podcast alive and well. Thank you to my current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of APOC, Jeff Nail, co-host of The Ringing Ear, a great music podcast I recommend highly. Thank you to the Evil Circle, the evilest of all the circles, the Squid Master General, Brian Broussard, and the New Jersey Devil himself, Mark Wegemer. Make sure you are subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play. Uh, is, is that all of them? Probably. If, if it's not one of the ones you like, let me know. I'll get it on, make sure we're on there. But make sure you are subscribed to the show, sharing the show, liking the show, doing all that good stuff that we... we we, that we really, really appreciate. And if you get a chance, leave us that sweet, sweet, sweet five-star review. They go a long, long way to spread out the word about what we're doing over here on the TomCast podcast, the fun time we're having, and, and all the good stuff that it takes to make sure that people know that we exist. Because, hey, 
if people know we exist, what are we doing? It doesn't matter. I would do the show if no one knew I exist, which most people don't. Anyways, hey, get that sweet merch. <laughs> like I said, who doesn't want my face on your chest? <laughs> Take that how you will. All right, my fine friends. Thank you all so much for listening today. Uh, it's been a blast. Uh, we have one more treat for you for Halloween, for Tom Toberfest, for uh, the uh, the spooktacular Toberfest, whatever we're going to call it. I still haven't trademarked anything just yet. I'm still waiting for something to click. We have one more to go. One more amazing episode that I'll be recording shortly. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. All right, until then, I'll talk to you all soon. Take care of each other. Wash your hands. Wear your masks. Ciao, babes. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions.